Well, today the title of my talk is When God Calls, You Better Show Up. When God Calls, You Better Show Up. An alternative title could be What Do I Want to Do When I Grow Up? Or maybe better is What Would God Want Me to Do When I Grow Up? And for the young people that are here today, I would say that I know you're probably thinking about what do I want to do when I grow up? The fact is that those of us who are adults, uh, and even people my age, you know, still think about that. What do I want to do when I grow up? By the way, I should say, I think that it's, it's just wonderful that, I, uh, that with this, on this Youth Sunday that they invited somebody my age to speak, <laughs> to speak today. Another young person, right? No, not quite. <laughs> but anyway, that is, that is um, the case, that when God calls, we better show up. So let's read the Bible verse uh, for today, and please stand if you could. We'll read together. This is from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You may be seated. So I'll start off with the story. The time in the late 1960s and early 70s were a time of radical change in our country. It was a time when the women's movement began, civil rights were beginning to gain momentum, and there was a large anti-war movement, mainly among young people in colleges. During that period of time, there was also something called the Jesus Movement, where young people looked to Jesus to get understand and get through all this turmoil, and the orientation of the Jesus Movement was evangelism, to help other people know who Jesus is. Well, a friend who was part of that movement, his name is Dick, told me a story once. He said he had just attended a Jesus Movement conference and was hitchhiking home. Hitchhiking, does anyone, young people, do you know what hitchhiking is? (laughs) Something that I used to do. You stand on the side of the road and you'd hitchhike and somebody would, hopefully, somebody would pick you up. I know these days, instead of doing that, we pick our our smartphone and we hit Uber or Lyft and a car shows up (laughs) to pick us up, right? The difference is that with that Uber or Lyft, that costs money. Hitchhiking was free. (laughs) Anyway, so I digress. But So Dick was hitchhiking home from this uh, Jesus Movement conference. He was picked up by a truck driver. And just coming fresh from that conference, Dick decided to share the love of Jesus with with this truck driver. And they had a lively conversation. He talked about the importance of relationship of Jesus and what that meant. And... Then the truck driver gets silent, and he said this. He said, Dick, if I believe what you're saying, and I don't because I'm an atheist, but if I believed what you're saying, I would spend every waking moment telling people about Jesus. Now, unknowing to him, that truck driver expressed what it means to be in the will of God, to be all out there for God, for Christ. 
But isn't it true that sometimes discerning the word of God is not easy? It's difficult, it's a challenge. How do we do that? I believe that those of us that are here, especially in Silicon Valley, we kind of walk around, I think, with earplugs on, almost. I believe that God's talking to us all the time. But we're not listening. We're not listening enough. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to tell you ways, I'm going to tell you some stories uh, and most of these are stories uh, for, from my book. And I wrote, the, I wrote, I should just say this, I wrote this book, which is stories about leaders in Silicon Valley that are often not told. But we can relate to elements of this story, and I'll tie that together a little bit, little bit later. But stories are an effective way to reach people. Before I do that, let's look back at, at, at Romans 1 and 2. Let's put up Romans 1, um, if we could. To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, doesn't that sound like it's a bit contra- contrary to human nature, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices? But that's, in fact, what we're, what we're called to do, to offer our bodies as, as living sacrifices. That means to be all out for Jesus, to be all out in everything we do. And that's no matter what we're doing for work. If we're a company CEO, if we're a, a nurse, a doctor, a service worker, a barista, you know, we can still be, we're called to be in the will of God in everything we do and pass on the love and the joy that God has for us. If we could put up um, Romans 12:2, please. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is an important phrase. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. But isn't that a challenge for all of us? I mean, this is the culture that we live in. We can get sort of sucked into the patterns of this world. And I think especially here in Silicon Valley. It's an expensive place to live. It's a difficult place to live. It's a secular place to live. And there are some times that we don't look any different than anyone else. And we can be motivated by money and power and prestige possibly. Nothing wrong with those biblically, but when they become our idols, that's when, the, that's when the problem is. Money, power, prestige can't be our idols. We're called into that relationship with God who will renew our mind. Let's, go to the, let's read the end of that, of, of, of Romans 12 too as well. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't we want to be in God's will? That's what we want to do. And I believe that the way to do that is first is a change of attitude. We have to want to be in God's will. And the second thing, we have to be opening to listening to what God is telling us, to be open to listening and then to act, to listen to God's call and then show up. Well, I want to illustrate five ways, and there are many more than that, but I want to illustrate five ways through stories that God gets our attention. So the first is through open and closed doors. And let me list all the five right now. So it's, open and, it's closed and open doors. It's through our pain, through our passions, through prayer, and through promptings, or sometimes that, that whisper. So I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna go through all these and I'll tell you a few stories uh, in the process. So the first story is from my life, about me closed and open doors. I took a position at a company in 2008. 
I had been an executive coach and was coaching the CEO of this company. He asked if I would, I would come in and take over as a CEO. Seemed like an interesting, a good opportunity at this company to do it. So I was intrigued. I told the board, and I told, I told this gentleman who was the chairman of the board, that I would take the job, but I'd want to do it one year at a time to see if it made sense for them, if it made sense to me. Because God had put on my mind 19 years earlier to write this book, Finding God in Silicon Valley. And that happened 19 years earlier when I was back at a college reunion at Harvard. And those of us, we had a little cohort of, of Christians that got together. And we were given a book called Finding God at Harvard. And you know, Harvard and God didn't seem to sit, fit in the same sentence. But neither did God in Silicon Valley. And that was the message that, that, that God gave me to tell some of the stories that people don't know about in Silicon Valley. So that was 19 years earlier. I told the, the, the board that I would, I would work at this company for a year at a time. Four years later, I was still working at the company. And finally, I decided it was time to leave. So I announced to the board in June of 2012 that I would leave, but I'd leave six months later uh, in December, and I would help if they wanted to find a new CEO. Over the next three or four months, however, I was thought about keeping a foot in both places. Was there a way that I could stay in the company maybe as a part-time CEO or as a consultant and make a little bit of money? On the other side, the other foot was, well, I really should go off and write this book. So I had found somebody that was interested in helping me to be, the, to be a CEO and to continue to have me uh, as, as participate in the company. And he was willing to put an investment in. Well, the board was going through lots of turmoil and they would have none of that. <laughs> so in October, they asked me to leave. I had told them I would leave by December. And my ego was bruised when I heard that. But on the other hand, I was relieved. My path was clear to do what God had intended me to do all along, to write that book. And so I started out and I did a blog and then I wrote the book and it's just been very meaningful and I think it's touched the lives of many people. So for me, God closed one door and he forced me to show up <laughs> by opening another door. Sometimes it takes that, but God closes doors and he opens doors. It's something for all of us to be aware of. Well, God also speaks to us in our pain. C.S. Lewis has a famous quote. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but shouts to us in our pain. None of us want to go through pain, but often pain can be used for our good. You think about athletes. Athletes go through a lot of pain to be successful in whatever sport they're taking part in. I want to tell you the story about a woman, Reggie Littlejohn. Reggie was trained as an attorney. She came to San Francisco to work at a law firm as a litigator. She loved her job. At this law firm that she came to, they had a policy of, of the associates, the attorneys, doing pro bono work, meaning working for free to help people that are disadvantaged in one way or another. And the firm was focused on those, those people from China that were seeking asylum in the United States. 
Reggie's first client, her first pro bono client, was a woman from China who had been persecuted for her Christian faith. In addition, she was forcibly sterilized due to China's one-child policy. Reggie knew something about persecution in China. She knew something about the one-child policy. But here was a woman in front of her that had been abused. She didn't know what to do with that, but she put that in the back of her mind. She continued working at the, at the law firm. Uh, she had had one child but wanted to build her family. But she suffered a miscarriage. Then she suffered a second miscarriage, and she was devastated. She called her mom and said, Mom, I don't know why God would create this life in me and then take it away. Her mom said, Reggie, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know anyone has an answer for that. But I have a sense that God's going to use that for good somehow. Well, a short time later, Reggie had a physical examination and found that she had lumps on her breasts. Her family had a history of breast cancer, so she decided to have a bilateral mastectomy. But it got even worse. The pain in her life got worse. She developed a staph infection as a result of that operation, which could be deadly. She went on disability for the next five years, no longer working as she went through multiple surgeries and was bedridden for most of that time. But when she was bedridden, she had lots of time. And she would say that she prayed often. She read through the Bible several times. And God was renewing her mind. She, would, she quoted from, uh, from Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, God, and Reggie had a heart for helping these women around the world that were being abused. And in China, they were forced abortion, forced sterilization. So she started the nonprofit organization as she healed after five years called Women's Rights Without Frontiers. Women's Rights Without Frontiers. To shine a light on the problem that exists in China and other countries where women are abused, forcibly aborted, and sterilized. And this nonprofit has gotten amazing tractions, traction. Reggie has had the opportunity to speak to the U.S. Congress. She briefed the State Department, the White House. She's spoken at the U.N., to the British Parliament, the Irish Parliament, the European Parliament. She's been on every major, major news and television station. And in 2013, Inside the Vatican magazine honored Reggie as one of, the most, one of the top 10 people in the world, as someone to look for for inspiration. God used the pain in Reggie Littlejohn's life to make a huge difference in this world. I should just add that, that, that privately, Reggie had the opportunity, she, she adopted two girls from China whose father was in prison for his Christian faith. She's, she's had the opportunity to help raise two girls. So pain is a way that God sometimes called us and we can show up. Reggie showed up. Third is passions. We all have passions in some, some way or another. Right? God will often call us in our passions. I'm going to tell the story of one of the partners here at, at NBCC. 
His name is Tunde Shobomahin. Tunde is just a very interesting and amazing guy. Graduated at the top of his class uh, in Oregon, high school class, and was admitted to Stanford. Tunde started an organization. He had a passion for service. That was his passion. He started an organization called Street Code Academy here in East Palo Alto to serve the disadvantaged, mainly youth, but there are people from ages 5 to 70 that, that go to Street Code Academy. I had the opportunity about a year ago to visit, and there was such joy. In this room, there were maybe 50 or 60, mostly young people. Each one of them had a mentor from Stanford or Google or Facebook that were helping them to learn how to design software, how to write programs, and to start businesses. You know, Tunde could do anything he wanted as a Stanford graduate, but service was in his heart. And where did that come from? It came from his family. His family lived a life of service. He tells the story where one day his dad looked out in the backyard and they saw a homeless man living in their doghouse. Instead of just kicking the man out, they invited him in to live in their basement. And his dad would describe it as a win-win situation. This man now had a place to live, and this man ended up fixing up the basement. <laughs> so that was part of, of, of the way that Tunde grew up with service. And he runs this, this amazing program called Street Code Academy that started out with, uh, in 2014 with 20 students. Now there are, there are a number of classes during the year of 250 students each. And these are people that are going to, it'll help launch them on their career. They're going, to learn a, they're going to learn a discipline and potentially go on to work in the high-tech industry, which is right next to East Palo Alto, and in fact, in East Palo Alto. Several of them have gone on to work at high-tech companies, SAP, uh, Google, Facebook, and other companies. So God spoke to Tunde through his passion. Tunde showed up is, made a is making a difference in the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people. So God speaks to us through open and closed doors. He speaks to us through our pain, through our passions. He also speaks to us through prayer. And I'll tell the story of Neil Alston. Neil is, you know, you sometimes meet in life somebody that's brilliant. Neil is one of these brilliant guys. Graduated summa cum laude from the University of California, Berkeley. Went on and got a master's degree in public policy from Princeton. Well, Neil was working at a very, at a high-level position at Google in what he would describe as a very lucrative position in a very lucrative space. I mean, he was, he was earning a nice living. Neil was a follower of Christ, and he had the sense from God that maybe he could do something with technology for Christian faith and for the churches, and specifically with prayer. But as he thought about it more, he, he kind of came to the conclusion that this is a dumb idea. But one day, when he was praying, he would describe it this way. He would say, God came over me and humbled me with tears in my eyes. I got this message from God that, Neil, you don't know what I could do with prayer. Neil was convicted to leave Google, to leave that position, start a company to develop a prayer app that's called Abide. Abide right now is the most popular prayer and meditation app on the internet. Neil had a 
what, what Jim Collins would describe as a big, hairy, audacious goal to reach 40 million people. And it's on its way. This year, in the first three months of this year, a million people have used Abide. It is rated as, as in the top 10 of self-help, self-care apps, including everything on the internet. Neil had a sacrifice. He left Google and greatly took no salary for a while, a greatly reduced salary. But Neil heard the message from God in his prayer time. And Neil showed up and is affecting the kingdom worldwide. So Neil heard God's call and showed up. God will often call us also in our, uh, in our promptings and in, in, in whisper. So I'll illustrate this with the story of Victor Ho. Victor was living in New York, had a career in finance and consulting, started off working at Goldman Sachs as an intern. I went on to McKinsey, which is probably the most renowned management consulting company. But he felt that the next step in his career would be to go into private equity. So he sent out a few resumes and was beginning to get some interest. He flew out to San Francisco to interview with a couple of private equity firms. These were the final interviews. He felt good about them, he would say. But when Victor was waiting at SFO in the, air, in the airport and his plane was late, God whispered a message to him. And the message was, Victor, why are you being such a coward about this? You know what I want you to do. You see, Victor had considered for a while starting a company to help merchants, local merchants, with a loyalty card. Your local merchants are often at a disadvantage to the big discounters, right? So, so he, had this, he had this sense, and with a friend they thought about doing it. But he was on this path to advance his career. With that message from God, Victor changed his orientation. He called those private equity firms and withdrew his application. Moved to San Francisco with the accelerator called Y Combinator and began. He first had to teach himself how to write software. <laughs> he hadn't done that. He came out, gave up his salary. He got a small, they got a small stipend from Y Combinator. And for the next several weeks and several months, he was working through trying to develop this company and this product. But he was rapidly running out of money. Just at that time, he had gotten a notice from an organization that he would support an annually, a nonprofit organization, looking for a donation for that year. And Victor was thinking, how can I do this? You know, I'm living on ramen. <laughs> I don't have any money. But Victor obeyed. He made that donation. Two weeks later, much to his surprise, they got the companies that were in this accelerator together. An investor who had made a lot of money said, I want to give $150,000 to each one of these companies. So he got $150,000, which led him then, gave him enough runway where they could finish the application and go out and raise more money. Now, Victor obeyed God. And he had learned that earlier when he was living in New York and, was, and was just had a tiny little savings. And he had a message from God that said, give it all away. Give it all away. He said, how can I do that? I don't, I don't have much money. He did it. He obeyed. His savings began to increase even after that. So, so Victor had an orientation of obedience. He started this company. The company is called Five Stars. 
He runs it by biblical principles. He wants to honor God in everything that he does. He made an amazing statement when I interviewed him. He said this, he said, God doesn't guarantee success. But I want to make sure if we go down in flames, we will be lights of the world. And he was quoting from Matthew. Success or no success, call to be lights of the world. So Victor, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Victor heard God's call in a whisper, and he obeyed. And it's having a big impact on, on, on other people. He recently gave me the, the statistics. They've now raised over $100 million. They have 13,000 merchants that are using this loyalty card. 30 million consumers are using it. And those 30 million consumers have driven $2 billion worth of business to those merchants. He has a couple hundred employees in his company. So you think about that. He obeyed God's call. It's affected these merchants, his customers, who are employees, and that's how God works. Right? It's not about us. We hear God's call. It's really about, about everyone else. So I've told you five ways that, that God uh, will try to get our attention. There are many more, of course. You know, God often speaks to us. It could be in, in dreams. Pastor Herman, in his first message in this series, talked about Paul Ely, an executive at Hewlett-Packard, that had a dream one night, and he could clearly see God's footprints in his life. Paul eventually gave his life to Christ and was trying to help other people know who Christ is. So through our dreams is another way. It could be through, through miracles. I had a woman that I met when I was on my trip in Washington. She said her life was all, had been all messed up. She had had two abortions. She was a drunk. One night, Jesus appeared to her. I said, really? <laughs> she said, right in front of me, as clear as day. He had a very simple message. Follow me. And, you know, follow me is sort of the, is the, is the basic call that we all have. The stories of everyone I told you, they were believers to begin with. And they felt that they were, they were living God's, God's will and they had a calling. The fact is that we have multiple callings in life. And, and you f- may feel today, and I know that there are many people here that are, that, are, that are in God's will and have a calling. But callings change over time. There could be a new calling that you have. Because God was calling me to something different. God was calling uh, Neil to something different. God was calling Victor to something different and Reggie. And they all had, with, as, as it says in Romans 12... They all had to make a sacrifice. They made a, they made a big sacrifice in doing it. But look where it's led and look at the impact that it's had on the world. So God calls us in many, many different ways. And he calls us, he may just place us. I had, I had an acquaintance that I met after a, at, a, at a conference, a faith at work conference. And this young man came up to me and he said, you know, the company I work for is unethical. They're not really, you know, it's, there's no biblical principles. It didn't surprise me. I mean, you know, that's the way probably a lot of companies are run. He asked me the question. He said, Skip, what do you think I should do? You know, should I leave the company? Should I maybe go into vocational ministry? I told this young man, you know, I can't answer that. You have to pray. I don't know what God's leading you. But it could be that God has placed you in that position at that company to make a difference. And isn't that true of all of us? It's true of all of us. No matter what you're working at, it could, be a, it could be a teacher, it could be a, a service worker, it could be, you know, anything that we're doing. God, we can make a difference 
where God has placed us if we can show the joy and the love of Christ. We all share the same purpose. That purpose is to honor God and glorify God in everything that we do. If you're a follower of Christ, that's your purpose. Our mission is to help other people know who Christ is. We all share that same mission. But each of us have a different calling and multiple callings in our life. And it's through that calling we're to fulfill our purpose and our mission. So no matter where God has placed you, you can be a representative of Christ. Well, when I spoke um, at this church in August of 2016, I, I talked about the hope that I have that God, I, in Silicon Valley. The hope that Silicon Valley maybe someday could be known not just as a place of innovation and technology and wealth creation and entrepreneurship, but a place of God. Can you imagine if that were to happen? If Silicon Valley were known as a place of God, the world would take notice. Everything that happens in Silicon Valley reverberates around the world. Well, I'm even more optimistic today. I see God at work in Silicon Valley. I see people that are more willing to share their faith, to live out their faith in business or in whatever their calling may be. I see young entrepreneurs who are starting businesses to glorify God. I see churches that are expanding. I see new churches that are forming. You may be aware of Transforming the Bay with Christ. We had Pat Gelsinger, uh, who started that group. Nancy Ortberg is now the CEO. Uh, was formed four or five years ago. Transforming the Bay with Christ has three purposes. One is to unify the Christian community in Silicon Valley. The second purpose is to come alongside churches and help them serve the community. Most people know what we're against, not what it's for. But as we do here at NBCC with our Be Rich program, serving the community. So TBC tries to come along churches and facilitate some of that. The third thing that TBC uh, wants to do is, is help facilitate the starting of new churches. I was at a TBC meeting maybe six or seven weeks ago. And they announced a fund, a $5 million fund, to help entrepreneurial pastors that want to start new churches. You know, God's at work in this area. I'm part of the leadership team at the Silicon Valley Prayer Breakfast. Some of you may have attended that. You know, for the last several years, we have sold that event out. What to me is the most amazing, there are about 900 people, eight to 900 people that attend that. What's amazing to me is this event starts at 7 a.m. in the morning. I talk to the hotel staff. They say there is no event that large that meets that early in the morning in Silicon Valley. You know, and they come to hear a message about God. Another piece of evidence that, you know, that God is at work. Some of you may have participated. It was about last weekend, there was a prayer walk in San Jose. 600 people showed up for a prayer walk in San Jose. This was the first event. I would guess next year there'll be even more. You know, there's so much evidence that God is working, you know, here in this area. I don't know whether there'll be a revival. It's not up to us. It's really up to God if that happens. What is up to us is obedience. It's to find how God is talking to each one of us 
You know, sometimes think we have earplugs on. <laughs> you know, take out those earplugs. To spend the time listening to how God is talking to each one of us. You know, I know that I'm probably like many people in this room. It's a busy life. I mean, I, people look at me and look pretty low-key, but I'm really driven. And I have these lists. My wife would tell me, yeah, I'm doing too many things. You know, I try to have a devotional every morning. I read the Bible every morning. But quite frankly, I don't take enough time to listen to God's message. I'm convicted. I've been convicted over the last several months to do more of that. I read a book by, by uh, Henry Nauman. Talked about the importance of solitude. Try it. Time alone with God is important. That's how you can hear his voice. You can also hear it in these number of other ways that I've, that I've described. You know, I believe that if each one of us were truly listening to what God is calling us to do, and if we show up, it'll make a difference in our lives, in the life of many others, and possibly in Silicon Valley. As they say, the world will take notice. Thank you very much.